keep challenging yourself little by little. And then one day you'll find that you're at the top of a mountain and you never thought that would happen. How are you doing anyway? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm uh, I'm finally starting to recover from my suicide mission this weekend. Um, twenty, uh, sorry, twenty miles and seven Monroes in a day. Oh yeah, wow. And, um, yeah, that was that was um, quite the ordeal. So I've spent the last few days like in my bed, like a Victorian <laughs> widow, <laughs> much to Schnook's dismay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to just kind of introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do? Um, so I'm called Holly Ivy. I'm not entirely sure who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think that depends on my mood. Um, and I do a lot of things, much like all human beings, but the things that I'm most passionate about are hiking and biking and water sports and camping and generally just anything that involves being outside. Um, I own a business called Halls and Valleys and I do guided treks in the Scottish Highlands, but I'm originally from Alaska and long story short, I was raised by, and they will take umbrage with this, but it's absolutely true, total hippies, uh, spent most of my life in a van, um, most of my childhood, sorry, not most of my life. I keep forgetting that I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> And that childhood is a very short portion of it. Um, and so I think it was just instilled, you know, being in Alaska as a kid and being outside all the time. I think it was probably inevitable as much as I tried to fight it probably in my early 20s and go all urban and that did not work out well. Um, I think I'm just happiest outdoors. So I'm doing my best to try and make a living doing that and um, sharing my excitement with everything outdoorsy with other people yeah yeah whereabouts in alaska are you in? or are you from even? well so again we traveled around quite a lot i was born in a small town called wasilla which is about an hour north of anchorage if anybody knows where anchorage is it's the biggest city um i don't think obviously i have no memory of it but i don't think we spent much time there after i was born i think then where there was Sometime in Anchorage, then sometime in my grandmother, who um, is a huge um, influential part of my childhood. She ran a bed and breakfast in a very small, very, and when I say very small village, I think there was like 10 people in this village and they were all a few miles apart. Um, she ran a bed and breakfast and this, the name of this town, it's, I'm not even making this up, it's called Moose Pass. So spent a lot of time there um as a kid and that's just outside of Seward if anybody knows where that is um kind of on the bay mm -hmm. um also some time in Kenai and Soldatna which is a bit further south about four hours south of Anchorage if you're looking at sort of south central Anchorage uh south central Alaska sorry so it's essentially mostly south central Alaska my mom's from Juneau my dad's from Anchorage um so we're kind of like third generation Alaskans Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a stupid question, but is that still like... No such thing. Just 
I don't know if is is, is that still like wild Alaska is the whole of Alaska wild what's Alaska is pretty wild so a lot of people don't know this because of the way that maps are drawn and I think we're quite visual um but like Alaska because it's sort of above and next to Canada Mm. kind of between Canada and Russia um on like U.S. maps it always gets sort of like put off into like the naughty corner with Hawaii and it gets scaled right down but actually um, if you took Alaska in its full size and put it on top of a map of the United States, it would take up a third. So, wow. and then you feed into that, that the population of Alaska, what was, I can't remember. It's, it's, I don't even think it goes over a million. Like, so it's easy to get lost and it's easy yeah. to like, it's easy to be alone. It's a great place for like serial killers to hide out. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody needs a place to go, um, it's um yeah it it, and that was actually like a huge learning curve for me you know just learning things like when I came over here like you can't just camp wherever you want um Mm -hmm. and like paying to camp like blew my mind just and also like having a shower when you were camping I was all of these like weird (laughs) things I just thought this is what's the point of this (laughs) this isn't camping (laughs) but um I just, you know, it's, it's silly little things like uh, you can't, you know, you can't chop up wood that you found, uh, you know, mm-hmm. start a fire and all of these like things were just uh, very strange for me and, and quite foreign when I started going and traveling and experiencing other parts of the world and like the outdoors communities and stuff like that. So because yeah. in Alaska, you can just literally go wherever you want and, you know, uh, just try not to start a forest fire and be cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So how how old were you when you came over when you left and came over here? Well, so it's kind of um, I've got the attention span of a spider monkey, and like my dad always said when I was young, he goes, "I don't know why, but I just knew I knew that you wouldn't stick around. Like I knew from a very early age that you were just too curious about like everything that was out there." And he's like, "Out of all of my kids, you were the one that I knew was definitely gonna sort of like." fly the nest um so I left Alaska when right after I finished university so I went to university in Alaska um and then I got a job in Seattle okay um so I must have been let me think about it about 23 thereabouts 23 Mm -hmm. four so I went to Seattle and it was um and I worked there for a year and then I got a job offer in England um so I again I was just curious and I wanted to come over so I I just sort of did and and then I it was a contract thing so I spent a year in England and while I was there I met um so I've got two daughters one's 18 and one is eight I was I can't can't believe I almost forgot how old um one is eight and so the eight-year-old while I was in England I met her dad um and he got a job in Munich in Germany so we lived in Germany for eight years um so well I basically my visa was expiring so we got married way quicker than maybe was advisable uh for like a visa kind of like a shotgun wedding we were actually dating but like you know it was either get married or I go back to the states right and he um and we didn't really want to do that at that point so we just got married um and then we while we were living in Germany obviously then we had Juno and after we had Juno I was kind of 
I was just at my wits end just because we were kind of pretty much isolated there. We didn't have any help from family and stuff. And with a newborn and everything, I said, well, we're either going to Alaska or we're going back to the UK because we need some family around to help us with the mm-hmm. um, with the kiddo. And he didn't fancy going to Alaska. So we ended up back in England, which is where he's from. Um, okay. He's Surrey originally. Hmm. Um, and then obviously life happens and we didn't work out. And I had been in the meantime, though, because I've always been really passionate about the mountains and hiking and being outdoors. I had bought a, a cottage in Glen Levitt that I used to Airbnb, but also use as myself. Um, so I'd been sort of toing and froing between um, Brighton and Inverness for a while, sort of mm-hmm. towards the end of the relationship. And I really, really wanted to live up here um, just because, you know, I know how amazing it is if you're into all the outdoorsy stuff and um the reason that i hadn't yet was because he really really didn't want to live in scotland and so when we decided to go our separate ways i just i was like well i'm gonna chance it and see if i can find work um and i just started sending my cv to like a bunch of different marketing agencies um they weren't even hiring like nobody was actively hiring but i was just like hi do you want to give me a job (laughs) (laughs) so that i can live in scotland (laughs) and um I got really lucky. I ended up working for some really, really great people. And um, I was able to come up and came up with Juno, my uh, my eight-year-old. And we've been here now two and a half years. So, wow. yeah. Um, and we both absolutely love it. Like, the, you know, the people are amazing. The Highlands are amazing. You have, like, all the convenience of the city. Um, we're in Inverness. So it's like, you've got all the city stuff if you want it. But you can definitely be out on your own in, like, half an hour somewhere. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you ever, now that you're in Scotland, do you ever look back to Alaska or is now like... I I do. I do. It's, it's so weird because it's like, I think that if I were to leave here, I would miss it just as much. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, yeah. um, in so many ways, it's really, really similar. But I often joke because uh, people go, oh, you're from Alaska. Like, why would you want to live here if you're from Alaska? And I'm like, well... It's like the topography of home, but there's better bouncer. <laughs> like, I mean, like Alaskans are pretty cool. We have our own. We're, we're not. We're kind of, I want to say culturally different than like what you would get in sort of mainland America or as we mm-hmm. call it, the lower 48. Um, <laughs> Hawaii doesn't count, you know. We're, but um, I, I don't know. I just I absolutely love where I'm from. Like I never left because I didn't love it. I left just because I was curious and I wanted to see other places as well and and so ending up here was you know is amazing and I'm super grateful to be here but yes there you know there are parts of Alaska that I absolutely do miss and Mm. I sense of thing you know remembering all of those little things every now and again and it's nice um to think well I just I used to be able to go back regularly as well I think this this year I for everybody and I, I'm not counting myself as anything special I think this year for everybody has been particularly hard and also maybe one of the most transformative years that I think a lot of us can say we've ever had and it's certainly given us time to think and um or me definitely and um I've realized actually how often I see my family even though I live far away and how I've not been able to you know see them for mm. a long now and things like that and I think that's kind of made me think about home a little bit more as well yeah yeah so Scotland has pretty much been in lockdown the same as us right down here um 
Yeah. So how how's that been for you? Not um, being able to get outside so much while I'm so, pouring my beer, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Cheers. <laughs> um, <laughs> the lockdown thing has been incredibly hard, actually. And I think for everybody for different reasons. Um, obviously, trying to start a business that involves tourism during a lockdown is pretty hard. Um, I've not been able to work, so I've taken on some extra work doing forestry stuff. Okay. And that to, to sort of make money, because um, I still want to be outside, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but um, it's not just that, it's been incredibly challenging as a single mom. And my, so my daughter, um, her, you know, she's, it, it's been just me and her for six months, just me and her. Mm-hmm. And that's not good for her. And that's not good for me. And, um, and I think it even got to a point once where, and I don't even blame her, but it was hilarious. She just looked at me and she said, it's not that I don't love you. It's just that I'm sick of your face. <laughs> like uh, Eight years old. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I just sort of like, I just went, yeah, I'm sick of my face too, to be fair. Like, I can't <laughs> I'm not even gonna be mad at you for that. Like I was like, this is this is really hard. But yeah, so she was she was starting to have some real like severe kind of um like emotional issues and stuff stemming from just like the lockdown thing. I don't think it's and especially because she I know she has an older sister, but she's an assess, you know, essentially an only child really, and she doesn't have any brothers or sisters to play with. And you know, um Chinook obviously has been a godsend because like you know she's had a lot of very fancy dress parties with Chinook um during this lockdown and I think the other I think the biggest thing that has been so hard isn't so much the fact that we're isolated and that we've been locked up and that we can't socialize or do as much as we normally would but the I think one of the hardest things to, to deal with and maybe one of the biggest teachers of this as well is how um how awful it feels when people are horrible to each other and judgmental and just the um, just some of the venom that's come at me for people disagreeing with some of the choices that I'm making. And I'm not ashamed of the choices that I make and I won't hide any of them. I'm quite yeah. comfortable in my skin. I'm quite comfortable with what I do and what I choose to do and, you know, the logic based on things that I'm doing. But, you know, just things like, obviously, because I've got, a, you know, a decent following on social media and things like that you know you with the strongest will in the world when you get somebody threatening to kill you and your child because you've taken a hike it's hard to take and you know and it's been a lot of that this year and not just that but you know people trying to get me fired from my job earlier on in the pandemic I actually had a job um to things like being kicked out of the mountain rescue and stuff for you know, for essentially going for hikes and being outside, you know, and Mm -hmm. that for me to wrap my head around that was, that's, that's been an an interesting journey and, um, and quite, I don't know, educational, I suppose, in terms of like, you want to believe I'm, I'm quite an optimist and I believe that people are inherently good. I always like, I, I want to trust people. I want to believe in the best in people and stuff. And that has really been challenged with, what's been going on yeah. but I think my bigger challenge is just trying to remember that people are all hurting and hurt people hurt people and this is and fear is a carcinogenic as far as I'm concerned like we all feel it but 
that should not dictate how we make choices and in any way or form. Um, it's a very base level emotion. And I think what's been going on is, is that people are coming from a, a place of intense fear, um, which is not a nice place to be. And they're mm -hmm. kind of looking out at each other. And I think that's been the hardest thing to deal with, like, um, in terms of the lockdown, you know, I'd be, I'd be quite happy just like climbing and rows and biking. I mean, my life really wouldn't change that much aside from the odd pub crawl. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, um, if we had the reign of the outdoors and stuff, but I think it is more, it's, it's more the tone, the atmosphere that's I, I've, I've found so challenging. Yeah. And a lot of that has come from, I'm sure jealousy as well. Well, where... <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a part of you that thinks are all of these people like, their lives you know like are they thinking now is my chance to tell other people what to do like yeah. now i get to <laughs> tell other people what waiting for <laughs> yeah it's like this is my time to shine like yeah. <laughs> you know like and um but i've seen a i've seen a real shift recently though actually that's been really interesting because unfortunately social media is a big part of how i get my business in fact all of my business comes through social media so there's obviously you know, you have those moments where you think to yourself, do I just like throw in the towel and get rid of the whole thing? Like, I just can't, I can't be bothered with this. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, a couple of things, the majority of people have been really amazing. You know, it's like, we do this thing in our mind where we kind of concentrate on the bad things that happen. Yeah. And that's another lesson that I've, I've sort of been dealing with is like, I've been looking at the like, oh, you know, there's so much negativity, but actually if you look at it on paper, it's mostly positivity. There's just one odd you know, like aggressive message every now and then. Most people are really enjoying it. That's mm. that's the the first part. Um, and the second part is, is like, this is what I want to do with my life. You know, like, am I going to let some angry person dictate, like, you know, how I live just because they're, they're not okay, you know? And again, and I try to say this and I try to remember it myself as well. When, when people do things like this, it has nothing to do with you. It really doesn't. It has everything to do with them. Like you said, they're just maybe angry. Yeah. Maybe they've always been like this. Now there's, you know, now they've got ammunition, but mm. because of the, the way that I have to use social media for work, obviously you're seeing all the trends, you're seeing all the conversations. I'm in a lot of the groups and everything on Facebook and I'm seeing that trend shift very much now towards people going, this is ridiculous now. Like, just let us out. Let's just get on with life. We can't keep doing this. Yeah. Um, and I'm really hoping that that's the mentality that finally sticks, you know, that we, that we get to the point where we realize, um, and this is not to belittle anybody that's had any, um, you know, any sort of suffering because of the, the pandemic, but this is more just that it's not sustainable. This is not, you know, and, and I'm seeing more and more people come to that realization and, you know, um, and maybe that the, the fear isn't gripping people as much as it maybe was in the, you know, in the initial sort of onset of this whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that many people will disagree with me, but I feel a lot safer outdoors than I do at Tesco. Um, you yeah. know, if we're talking about a pandemic, I'm, I am a very, very head over heart kind of a person. Um, and I was doing what made sense and what was logical. I'm, I've not, um, I'm certainly not breaking any laws. I'm, I'm sure I'm aware of what the laws are. I know that there's guidance. I know that there's, you know, suggestions of what to do, but, you know, I, I think I said this before. I'm like, if, if, following advice is mandatory can we like jump into a delorean and tell like 18 year old me not to marry a russian because that would be like 
that would be more useful than telling me like that I can't go for walks or that I can't, you know, I can't go for hikes and stuff because, and not only that, but I think that a lot of this guidance really hasn't taken into account very individual circumstances, like somebody like me who's here on their own with a very young wolf dog that has mm. a lot of energy and high exercise needs and a child yeah, and, and also has, yeah. you know, that need to be outside and exercise. And it's the, you know, one of the only things that I do, and it's one of the things that I know how to do. Like, you know, I was trying to homeschool her and we were both in tears, like before we'd even started opening the laptop, both of mm. us, you know, frustrated because either tech, you know, the technology is not working. I don't really know what she's supposed to be learning. You know, I, I, I'm not really, you know, and then there's this fight of like, you know, I'd get her set up and then I'd go and do something and then she'd be off away and have left because she's not interested in what she's doing. And when we're outside, I can actually teach her things. You know, I know they're not necessarily what the school would be teaching her, but they're useful. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you can eat this plant. You can't eat this plant. You know, oh, here's, here's some frog spawn, you know, like, let's learn about that, you know, and it, it was very sort of driven by her and, and her, what she was interested in. And that was, a much better way of doing it as opposed to us fighting each other so that I could have her in front of a screen all day. It's not, mm. you know, if I wanted to homeschool my kid, I would homeschool my kid. It's not, you know, <laughs> it's not yeah. something that I felt like I had agreed to. And I felt horrible for the teachers as well. It must have been a nightmare, you know, just think, and I'm sure we can all agree that whatever, you know, whatever our stance is on this whole thing, it's been handled not great. Um, yeah. And in terms of all of our well being and, you know, um, financial well-being, emotional well-being. And so one of the reasons I was so vocal about the, about still going outside and exercising my basic human right to do so was because I was also seeing the trend of people being shamed, as I said, and I am quite tough in terms of like taking it on the chin. And I was thinking maybe other people might not be. And I know from personal experience and, and you know just between you and, well not between you and me but very on a, on a personal note my my eldest daughter lost her best friend to suicide after being bullied online so it mm. was really actually quite important to me to shout just in case there were some outliers in there that like me needed to be outside for their mental health and well-being yeah. and felt like they couldn't or felt like they were being shamed or felt alone because Though that's a recipe for disaster. And I was really concerned about those ones. And, and I was seeing just a lot of abuse being hurled at people for even suggesting that not being able to go outside was really affecting them negatively. Mm. And instead of getting met with like, oh, it, I know it's really hard or why don't, have you thought about this walk or where do you stay? And here's some local walks that you might not know about. It was just, well, how dare you be so selfish and suggest that this is all about you. It's not all about you um, kind of comments and stuff. So I started, I did start getting really Really vocal about it at that point because I just thought well you know at least maybe even if they're just sitting in the sidelines if they see me doing it and go well she's you know she's doing it so I'm gonna and I did I won't I won't disclose any names but I did get messages from people going I saw what you were doing and I decided to go for a hike today and before I went for that hike I was seriously thinking about killing myself and now I feel a million times better and mm. I was getting messages like that once a week so this you know it it that to me meant a lot you know it was it was sort of a that's why I'm shouting about it that's why I'm saying something because you know this isn't just about a pandemic there's other things that we can die from you know <laughs> yeah yeah. And, yeah I think like that is something that more and more people need to see as well 
people like yourself standing up for those people and doing it and actually giving people who are suffering with that a voice and yeah as you say even if it's just for everybody to look at and read instead of like vocalize themselves then that's yeah well this is it i mean some people might not be able to take the kind of messages or, or or you know like abuse for lack of a better word that i was receiving um certainly if they're feeling like that they're in a fragile state already um but i knew that like i was just gonna do it like i i don't know why i just felt like i was like no this is this is not okay and i love as well i I do say this often i'm like isn't it funny how it's totally accepted that if you have a horse you have to walk the horse you have to take the horse out that horse needs exercise if you have a dog You've got to walk the dog. We are no different. I actually believe that human beings, we are animals too. We need to be outside. We need yeah. to go and walk ourselves. You know, I know that some people choose not to, I, I you know, and that's, you know, it's certainly not for me, but I think that we need to be outside and we need to be walked and we need, to, we need fresh air and yeah. we need, and that's when you gain perspective. That's when you can clear your head. You know, I don't think it's healthy for anybody to be sitting in front of their facebook feed clicking refresh every five minutes and waiting for something to you know attack somebody for i don't think i don't think that's a mentally healthy place to be coming from no Um, especially um like when pretty much every comment you see on facebook is somebody pretty much abusing somebody else and if if that is what you're sitting in front of and reading all day every day then that's going to have an effect on you even if it's not directed at you yeah yeah, no, I mean, to be fair, it's gotten to the point where I just don't even look at the comments, like, a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't not, you can't, like, not see every single comment, but, like, yeah, I try, I, I try to sort of, like, I'm like, I'll post something, I'll share a story, I'll, you know, like, I'll give people something to look at, and then I just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just walk away yeah. and then sometimes i'll know that something's awry when i'll get like a you know a message in my inbox going don't listen to them and i'm like who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know i've even started like filtering my messages and stuff do you know what i mean so i don't even get notifications from like you know accounts that i you know uh, unless i have people like in my friend list like i won't yeah. get a notification or anything so i you know just trying to protect my own mental health and you know just sort of as well while at the same time just shouting a little bit about it but I think like I said I think we're coming out of it and I think the trolls will probably start crawling back under their rocks soon and hopefully we can all start enjoying I think that's been the hardest I don't know if you found this as well but the hardest thing is even though you're not doing anything wrong and you know you're not doing anything wrong you feel guilty like it, it, despite my best efforts it was hard for me to get joy out of being outside when I knew that people didn't want me to be outside. It was so weird. Yeah, absolutely. Such yeah, an impressive feeling. Probably more so um, right at the beginning, like this time last year, where we were only allowed out for like an hour a day or whatever. And here we, we live right in the middle of nowhere. So we can sort of walk out and be miles away from everybody all day. And yeah. still we had like one hour. If we went over that hour or if we went out, like sometimes we might go out twice a day. <laughs> yeah. And you're sort of like, it. like oh my you God. feel like, you know, you've got like the mission impossible theme, like playing in your head. Yeah. And it was, I had a moment actually recently cause I, um, I've got a motor home as well that I, um, you know, that I, I like to use. Yeah. 
when I can. And I drove my daughter because her dad's down in England. So I drove her down there for the Easter break. So she's with him just at the moment. And somebody phoned the police on me for being in a motorhome, right? So, but this is my favorite thing. Um, I was meeting, so I was in Perth and I've got a good friend in Perth and I met up with her to do some mountain biking because you're allowed to meet with, uh, you know, one other person outside exercise and because I was coming back up the road and I've not seen her this whole time and I was making an essential trip I said to her hey do you want to meet out um do you want to meet up and go for a bike ride or whatever and then we can like catch up yeah yeah so she meets up with me and somebody phones the cops on us because they see the motorhome and he's and the cop is trying to tell me the police officer is trying to tell me that moving children is not essential (laughs) and I had to show him that it was essential and he said, well, you're not supposed to stop if you do. And I was like, so her dad's in Portsmouth. I live in Inverness. <laughs> oh so I'm supposed God. to drive all the way from Inverness to Portsmouth and back with no stops whatsoever. Um, and he goes, well, that's the guidance. And I was like, I didn't see that anywhere, but okay. But, you know, you, we've got a real problem when our own law enforcement officers don't even understand the rules and regulations. <laughs> Um, Mm. But the worst part of that and the most upsetting part of that, going back to how this makes you feel, is that my friend, right, she's she's not like me. She's, you know, she's a little bit more emotionally vulnerable, like in terms of like it. it, She was in tears, like absolute tears. Like it took me about 10 minutes to like hug her, stop her crying, calm her down, because that's how much it scared her. Just that the police were called on us, you know, Mm. and I think don't realize this when they're doing these things to each other and you know and off the back of what everybody's been through this year and stuff like that I just it it just it's that mentality of the inability to keep scrolling when somebody's written something on Facebook that you don't like or the inability to just kind of go well maybe that person in the motorhome lives in the motorhome or maybe they were moving a kid and that's the safest way to do it and there's no flights or maybe there's a myriad of or maybe that's their only vehicle maybe they have no other car and and they're not actually camping out. Like that's just how they get around. You know, there's a myriad of reasons that people could be doing anything that you think is, you know, unacceptable, but you know, that just the, the sort of jumping to those assumptions and then phoning the police. And then, like I said, resulting in my friend being in absolute like dire mm-hmm. straits, you know, emotionally. And it's just like, it kind of puts this heavy atmosphere on something that should be like a really joyful thing. Like we get to see each other for a minute you know, we get to hang out and catch up and, and it started off with, you know, the cops being phoned on us for going for like a bike ride. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I felt for the guy at the end, because to be fair, he did kind of, after he like established that like nothing untoward was going on, um, he did kind of say, well, you know, if somebody calls, we do have to like come and investigate or whatever. And I did say to him, I said, look, I, it must be awful like yeah. being right now you probably yeah. get a lot of these calls and stuff and I was like I, I, I feel you but yeah no like we're we're not we're not yeah. camp you know we're not gonna have a rave like <laughs> we're, we're just we're just going for a bike ride I've got to exercise my dog I thought I'd see my friend on the way back up the road you know yeah yeah but I liked what you're saying before before I interrupted um about um people being animals too pretty much which is something i touch on quite a lot and how we see as as people we seem to detach ourselves from nature and we are something separate even though we are all part of it and we are animals too yeah 
and yeah, and and we do need to be outside. And well, even I think if you don't enjoy it. Just just fifteen minutes outside, you'll you feel better for it. But this is the thing: if it doesn't matter who you are, in my experience, anybody who's outside for about ten or fifteen minutes is going to have a shift in their perspective and their emotions. Yep. We are nature. We are connected, as you said. We like to distance ourselves, but I don't see bears getting depressed. <laughs> I don't see wolves getting depressed. You know, yeah. it's. I think the fact that we've removed ourselves so far from, and it's like you know, you go from a car to a house. You're always, you know, you're always sheltered. You're always in a temperate environment. You know, if you spend your life like that, and then you're sitting there wondering, and you stare at this blue screen all day. You know, you, you, in the office, you have a blue screen, unless you've got a job outdoors or something like that. You know, you're looking at the computer screen, then you're coming home, you're looking at the TV. Um, you're never alone with your thoughts. You, you're never connected to the, what is you? We are a part of the earth. And I think that it doesn't surprise me that people struggle with their mental health, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I know there's a myriad of other things that cause, um, situational things or chemical imbalances and things like that but again I think a lot of those things can be addressed by being outside and that's yep. one of the reasons that it really bothered me so much that the outdoors was so taboo during this pandemic when it's actually one of the safest most effective things that we could be doing for ourselves during this and um and I really really hope that like if anything like this ever happens again that's taken into consideration um, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't care who you are. You might say that, you, you know, like I've, I've, I've got friends because of who I am. Uh, my girlfriends don't do a lot of the things that I do outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> they, they kind of like, they're quite happy to, you know, sort of have a drink with me and have a, you know, have a chat and hang out or whatever and do a bit of DIY or something. But uh, often they'll be like, oh no, no, I don't want to go on that walk. That's very uphill. Um, <laughs> you know, if you want to go on a flat walk, I've got a really good friend. She's like, flat walk that's fine you know we can go in the forest or whatever but even the few times that I've, I've tricked her like I wouldn't say I've tricked her but I've just been like and I'm like no no it's a really easy walk and she's looking at me like I want to cut you right now <laughs> <laughs> but like even when she's done that she you just see her mood do you know what I mean like just the joy uh, she gets just from even walking up like a very small incline for like 10 minutes mm -hmm. do you know what I mean and then at the end of it being like wow I just did that do you know what I mean and that's something that we all should be experiencing and we all should be feeling and like you know just the you know the grounding effect of being in a forest and the smell and the sounds and the stillness and, and all of those things that just add up to um absolute bliss and perfection and just put you in your place like you realize very quickly especially like I did when I was doing all those Monroe's this weekend I am not special I am <laughs> really 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 flawed really 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 foul <laughs> you know what I mean it's like it's really easy to get wrapped up in your own head and your own world and your own mentality and you get on top of a mountain and immediately you don't matter yeah realize yeah. you you just you're just part of something that's huge and yeah you know and I think that we would all benefit from having that humbling experience every now and again. Yeah. But it's a weird one because it's also a very confidence building experience too, because then you realize you're capable of a lot more than you think you are. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I also hope that the last year and a bit has probably encouraged more people to get outside afterwards as well. well after that... realizing how bad it is being stuck inside. Yeah, I think <laughs> if 
if my if my sort of like little investigation into looking to getting a full suspension mountain bike is any indicator, I think that the passion for the outdoors has definitely um, been on the rise of late. Yeah. Um, and I I don't take umbrage with that. Like I know I've got a lot of friends in the outdoors community and stuff like that that are like, oh no, it's going to be heaving and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And I'm like, there's plenty of space for us all to play with. And yeah. You know, I think it's just, a, it's a it's a silly way of looking at it because I think, to be honest with you, the more people that are outside, the more people that are happy, the happier we all are. That's the other thing that we don't realize. Like we are talking about how the negative energy of everybody being really upset about you going outside or going for walks, or you're not supposed to do this, you're not supposed to do that, really affecting you because we are, in my opinion, we are connected. We share energy, we feed off each other's energy. And just knowing that I wasn't, that what I was doing was frowned upon was a very oppressive energy. Um, mm. But I think if we can collectively all be spending more time outside and be happier, we're going to be a lot nicer to each other. We're going to be a lot less fearful. We're all going to feel a little bit more humble and confident at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, we're not going to feel so motivated to attack and belittle each other. And that can only be a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think not only attack each other but i think the more people we get out to see the outdoors and to be part of it and engage with it the more people are likely to look after it as well and try and conserve it Agreed. yeah yeah that's that's um yeah that's the other thing is i know that there's this real up here there's a real sort of atmosphere of fear now about what's going to happen when this lockdown lifts and people are able to do staycations or go on holiday. Um, I, again, I think, unfortunately, there is a case of the few ruining it for the many. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I also think that there's things that can happen that would make make it easier for the people that would be inclined to damage the countryside to not damage the countryside um yeah. you know for example you'll get articles in the news about you know popular walks in inverness where people are leaving bags of dog poo you know plastic bags all around the car park and then there's a part of me that goes why can't you know the council just put a bin in the car park yeah. like i understand you know for me personally if i have rubbish i don't i would never just throw you know i'd take it in the car it's not yeah. difficult to do right but some people for whatever reason, we can analyze them till we're blue in the place. We're never going to change them. But yeah. if there was a bin there, they put it in the bin. Yeah. And then the and then you know and then I'm like, well, then we're winning because also then the workers don't have to come and pick it up around the car park. Then they just have to empty the bin every so often. Yeah. Which is you know part of council tax and stuff. So you know we can all get outraged at the the horrible behavior of other people, but we're not going to change it. Let's make it easier for people to to keep things clean and. Yeah. It's the same, I think, with the whole, because they're expecting, you know, an influx of caravanners and RVs and things like that coming up and people doing self-contained accommodation and things like that. And I think, well, then let's have a think about the infrastructure and how to make this manageable and how to make it easier for people to enjoy these outdoor spaces without trashing them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for somebody who is clearly very passionate and loves the outdoors what inside you I suppose was it just the the lifestyle when you were growing up that that ignited that or or is there 
so something in particular in your memory that you sort of remember sparking that passion well when I was a kid and my family will all say this I hated hiking absolutely hate I was the worst out of like my brothers and sisters for like stopping wanting a break I don't want to be here I don't want to do this like can we just can we get back down and I'll just lie in the tent or whatever it's probably like the most comfortable being like super lazy just put on my Sony Walkman and listen to Vanilla Ice and ignore everybody (laughs) um but it's a weird one because like I said I've, I've battled it sort of um I mean, my dad's even, because we, a big part of my childhood, we drove from Alaska to Florida and back in this Wow. Time. So I was, uh, we were going, which is why I know all of the lyrics to Ice Ice Baby, like the back of my hand, because that was the <laughs> that I had. It's my party trick. <laughs> um, but the whole way I was, yeah, listening to music. And my dad's idea of an education at the time was well you're gonna have to write in this journal while we go and travel and I will never forget when I was I think a young adult he pulled out this journal that I had kept of of the trip and I think I just opened it to the page where we were in California and we had stopped to see the redwoods and Mm. redwood forest and those trees are amazing like even as a kid I knew they were amazing but I was so salty that I had to even write. I was like, you know, I was so affronted that I was being asked to do something (laughs) that all of my journal entries are just me in a rage, like about, you know, I was like, I can't believe my dad's asking me to write in this stupid journal. I saw some stupid redwood trees. They're just trees. I'm not entirely sure why I have to be here or do this. Like, you know, it's just me being really salty the whole time. But in hindsight, I think what has happened is that even though there was this part of me that that really kicked against it, and I'm not entirely sure why that is, it's also it's also sort of I realized, especially after deciding I was going to live in really urban places like London and Seattle, mm. um, I could not cope without it. And then I really, really appreciated it. It was just this. It's like I had to get. I had to sort of remove myself from it completely to realize, no, I'm connected to this. This is actually, this is actually who I am. This is, this is part of me. I'm, I'm, I'm not a city girl. I actually don't think anybody is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and it, and not only that, but then realizing the beauty that you had at your, you know, like, well, well, I had not only that, but just things like, you know, for example, when we were driving around the States, it was like the way that that created these bonds and these moments that I would have never had with my dad, you know, or what, it's like, I still to this day can remember he had this like suitcase of cassettes. Like, you, do you remember those like suitcase cassette organizers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had that. And he, we were so poor that like he, he never had the actual cassette. It was like recorded. He would record it from somebody <laughs> who had it, but he's, my dad's such a brilliant, like uh, cartoonist. So he would draw on all of these cassettes, you know, like, um, you know, be like Led Zeppelin or the Beatles or something, but yeah. he, you know, in that really cartoony sort of graphic, you know, graphic pen sort of, and he would draw pictures of like mountains and cars and all kinds of stuff, wow. you know, flames coming off the wheels. I just, I can see it in my head. And because I was always such a night owl as well, that when when he was driving long distances, the whole family would be asleep in the van and I'd be up DJing while he was driving. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) 
just yeah. like oh and the chats that we would have and like to this day i've just got a really really special place in my heart for like the beatles and led zeppelin because of it because it's like mm-hmm. he's total classic rock guy and you know and if we hadn't been doing those things like i just i can't imagine i can't imagine anything else you know what i mean and it's i think it's sort of like i said it was the removing yourself from that and then realizing the monotony of city life and the how and you think as well you're in a city and you think to yourself well there's so many people in a city so you're going to make so many friends and it's like no no I've made more friends just hiking a mountain you know than I ever made living in a city for eight years you know and and it's it's just the way that it brings people together like we said it makes people feel good you feel more connected Something about like you know I like your idea of the campfire because I swear that that's like kryptonite for like uniting people <laughs> I mean, that's something yeah. really primal about like get that fire going and everybody will tell you their life story yeah you know? yeah that's that's kind of like until the until, until we're all allowed to meet up and have a fire and just talk crap like it's yeah. I did want to kind of create that almost like a digital version of it where people yeah. can come and tell stories and stuff. And this is kind of part of that as well. And yeah, just, it is talking. So very quickly, sort of going back to making, not making friends in the city as much. Yeah. Um, like if you're on the tube or whatever, nobody really <laughs> speaks to anybody. You'd it's be like a crazy something. person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People will be giving you like side eye, like what is wrong with them? Yeah, but as soon as you step out in the countryside and just like go for a walk or whatever, everybody says hello to each other and you sort of have a chat. And then sometimes, because I do that a lot, and then sometimes if I'm walking around a town or whatever and I say hello to somebody and they look at me a bit weird and I'm like, oh, I can't really do that here. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because like when I first came over here, I remember still having that really Alaskan mentality where everywhere you go, you talk to people, you yeah. know, like in Alaska, that the, the climate is so harsh. There's so few people. I think we just have this culture of we rely on other people. So we are a strong community where, you know, if you see a car broken down on the road, you don't keep driving. You stop yeah. and you make sure that they're okay and that you need help. I mean, I even had one incident where I broken down and I was miles from anywhere. I had no signal whatsoever. And these dudes in a truck like stopped to help. And it was the radiator was bust. I couldn't go anywhere. Like it was just like I needed to be towed. I gave them my brother's phone number because they were headed to Seward. And I mm. said, please phone my brother, tell him where I am. Um, and he'll come and tow me back. And they said, okay. And I just had to sit there and wait and hope that they <laughs> that they had done that because I was in the middle of nowhere. And, yeah. and lo and behold, about four hours later, my brother appears. Wow. Right. Do you know what I mean? And these are the kind of people that we're dealing with, right? Yeah. So I like I'm so used to just talking to people. Like that that was always how I you know, it's like, hey, how's it going? Washing your hands in the toilet. If there's somebody there, you say hello, hey, yeah. how's it going? And so when I when I first got to London, I remember just kind of like just I don't know. Shoot the shit. Sorry, I shouldn't say bad words. <laughs> it's a it's one of my flaws. Um I was just trying to like make some banter or something. This guy looked at me like it was absolutely insane. And yeah. I remember being really confused. And I was like, oh my God, something in my teeth. <laughs> like, <what is> wrong? <laughs> and then um, and then it happened a few times and I started to realize like, 
oh, you don't talk to strangers here. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that I had that reverse culture shock when I got to Inverness because people were talking to me all over the place. And I was the one looking at them like, oh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, why are you talking to me? And it's like, I had to sort of get back into the whole like, oh no, here it's acceptable to talk to strangers. Like, yeah. that's great. And then you love it because it's like you do, you know, and it's actually, to be fair, it's one of the one of the biggest things I miss about the whole lockdown kind of, you know, is just sort of like going to a pub and just hearing somebody that you know you're never going to see again talk for like, you know, you go to a pub and they tell you stories for a few hours and you you never see them again. But it was yeah. just like, you know, super entertaining. And same thing, like, you know, with the campfire thing or, you know, being out on the hills and stuff and the people that you meet on the hills and things like that. It's like some of them stick around. Some of them you only talk to for a day, but it's just it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. And it is like maybe it is because we're both outdoorsy people. Is it the same as I was speaking to somebody i can't remember who it was now somebody but like is it just because we have that same passion for the same thing would it be if like if i was here talking to you and we both loved collecting stamps would we also be like oh yeah there's loads of stamp collectors we speak to and we're all the same (laughs) or is it just like the great outdoors brings that out in people i don't know um I've thought about this and I have a theory, (laughs) but obviously like this is just, you know, there could be a myriad of reasons, but I think that the more that people spend time outside, the happier they are and the happier you are, I think the more outgoing and less judgmental you are and the more (laughs) interested you are. And and also if I think, I think as well, it's like, um, we're all curious. We're all naturally curious. We're social creatures. Um, and we might have been removed from that through various different, you know, things. But at the end of the day, the more comfortable you are in your skin, I think the more interested you are in, or the more comfortable you are asking questions or the more comfortable you are not knowing things or the more comfortable you are learning things. And mm-hmm. that goes for like, I'm going to see if I can get up this hill. I'm going to see if I can do this like really technical mountain bike route to, I just want to know what makes that person tick. They look really interesting, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think there's this, you know, I think there's something with people that maybe lack confidence that it's almost like, by asking questions or putting themselves out there, they look stupid or they feel insecure or they feel um, vulnerable or something like that. Whereas if you're used to being outside, you're vulnerable all the time. Like you realize like how um, insignificant you are in the grand scheme of things. And I think it's, again, like I said, it's a real confidence building thing, but also really, you know, humbling thing. And you're used to not knowing things. You're used to having like random stuff thrown at you to, knowing that for the best will in the world you can plan a trek or this that and the other and there's like a million things that are going to happen that were not part of that plan and a lot of the time it's not going to go to plan and when you're dealing with that all the time I think you're just more flexible in general and I think you're just quite eager to just yeah you just want to learn you're just curious and I think that goes with socializing as well I think people that spend a lot of time outside just you know um and we're also let's be honest we're probably also good at being alone like and you know when you've been out somewhere for a while on your own it's nice to see another human sometimes too yeah i mean i 
so a theme that I've managed to sort of a correlation, I suppose, that I've picked up just from the the small number of people I've spoken to so far, and me included, everybody I've spoken to have admitted to being slightly or totally introverted. Yeah, which is weird because we're like really happy to talk to each other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it is, that probably is also down to the fact that it is something that we can talk about and it's something that we are both passionate to talk about as well so we're happy to talk about that but I you kind of do I suppose it, it does help to be kind of introverted to be able to spend so much time just as yourself outdoors in the quiet and just exploring the world yeah it's a it's a it's a time to recharge. And I think the whole introvert extrovert thing is is very much a spectrum as well. Like I think I would probably describe myself as an ambivert apparently, which is somebody who's a bit of both. Right. Um, but I definitely need time on my own to reflect and recharge. And I've always, always been that way inclined. But that I think it's the introverted side of me surprises a lot of people who know me because they, you know, in their minds, they'd be like, no, definitely extrovert you know life of the party and I'm like yeah but what you don't see is like you see me at the party you don't see me when I'm doing like the 10 day recovery (laughs) in the fetal position like you know quietly like questioning the meaning of life (laughs) you know like so I definitely think that there is there is that but I think I think introverts are also very misunderstood in terms of I think introverts are incredibly social. We're all social, mm-hmm. um, but they don't like superficial socialization. Yeah, I think it's a there's more of a desire for a very real, authentic social experience, you know, so yeah. I don't know if you're the same. But for me personally, I would much rather be one on one or in a small group where we can have like a really good conversation than be at a whole party where I can only talk to people for like two seconds and then I've got to go and talk to somebody else. And yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't want to miss anybody, you know? So I think it's more that our social interactions, we prefer them to be more meaningful. Yeah. Um, so, cause there's this idea of like, oh, if you're an introvert, you're just sitting in your mom's basement, you know, like chatting online to hot babes and like, you know, you don't want to talk to people in real life. And I don't think that that's the case at all. I think it's just that we want more meaningful interactions and more, authentic socialization than just talking about the weather and you know flitting from person to person and also probably that we need time to recover on our own from socialization no matter how great that socialization was like you could spend the whole day with your best friend and have the best time ever and still you know want to be alone for 12 hours the next day or something yeah yeah and that does like it it does carry across um to when you are out exploring with your friends as well like when we go camping um, there's a group of four of us who go and it's something that came across in another chat with somebody else as well um where we each instead of having a tent that we all cram into or ever like that we we each um have our own hammocks nice so after like a day of walking and hiking or whatever together and chatting around the campfire and stuff we still go off and like seclude ourselves in our own little like yeah. bubble just for the rest of the night like just it's funny that you say that because I I kind of noticed that with the when I was because I did my mountain leader training in the lake district right and I kind of noticed that when on the expedition days we were all quite happy you know chatting to each other on the on the trek and setting up our tents and helping each other out getting you know having our dinner having a chat over dinner 
And there was legit, it was almost like we had all agreed, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. And we all just went through our tents and we all knew that we weren't sleeping yet because we had to get up to do night nav. So right. we could have all just kept sort of like hanging out, but it was like, everybody was just like, and now yeah. I need, like, I need my me time. And so we all just kind of like retreated to our tents until night now. Do you know what I mean? And I, yeah. I think it's interesting that you say that I haven't, I hadn't really thought about uh, outdoorsy people being introverted before. So that's a, mm -hmm. that's a very interesting point, I think. Yeah. But you, do you know what? I love it as well though, because I think a lot of my friends are kind of that way inclined as also. And uh, you know, the friends that I do have that do outdoorsy stuff with me too. So it's almost like there's an unspoken rule. Like we know. You know, it's like, I love you, but go away now. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you know, nothing personal, but I just need to recharge. Um, and yeah, like uh, you make a really valid point. I hadn't really thought about it being like an introversion thing. I thought it was more just a like, wow, that was, you know, that was quite the track or whatever. And, and now mm -hmm. I just downtime. But I think people ask me all the time. So one of, one of the, one of the things I get hit with all the time, and it actually really, really breaks my heart is, um, women going solo like on tracks and women doing these things on their own and feeling confident doing these things on the, their own and I would absolutely love to see more women feeling confident enough to do these things on their absolutely. own um, but I think I get asked all the time <laughs> well first of all there's always the assumption that I'm doing it on my own because I don't have any friends <laughs> so that's like <laughs> that's a fun one and right. I'm like no I do have friends I mean they tolerate me but <laughs> You know, like it might just be that I like going on my own <laughs> like that's yeah. also a possibility because it's like it's almost like it's really accepted that guys do these things on their own but like girls doing it on their own is sort of like well you know do you not have any friends do you not have a boyfriend like do you would you not rather go with somebody else and the thing that I always say to people is is it's just a very and I'm sure you know this it's a very different experience going on your own is a very different experience to going with somebody else or a group you know, and, and, and all of those dynamics, even taking my daughter, that's a totally different experience. And she's an amazing little hiker. Like she, mm -hmm. go days. but I know that if I'm taking Juno up a hill, there's going to be, I'm going to be talked at for hours, absolutely hours. There's going to be conversation all day long. And there's going to be a lot of stopping more than I would do on my own, mm -hmm. but I go into it and I know that, and I have a great day because I know that she's having a great day yeah. and, and we feed off of each other so again with the energy thing when I take people out on treks that's about them you know I, I'm having a great time that's why I'm there I'm but I'm watching somebody enjoy something for the first time you know I might have done that hell like you know upwards of like double digits but it doesn't it doesn't matter because that person is seeing it for the first time and so that's a wholly different experience and then when I'm out just on my own with Chinook yeah. and I've got all the time in the world to, to solve everything in my life and the whole world's problems and stuff, you know, that's, that's like the, that's the sweet spot for me. You know, like I love all of those experiences, but I, that's, I need that. I need that solo time as well. So mm. I try to kind of, I guess, drip feed the, the cycle. Do you know what I mean? Do the solo ones, do the Juno ones, do the, you know, the friends and treks and things like that. And just kind of do a little bit of a, a a cycle there because I think all uh like an overabundance of any of those probably wouldn't be very very mm -hmm. but I yeah the the whole women on their own thing like 
um, I do, I do have to bite my tongue a lot because, you know, I'll get comments like, oh, you know, make sure that you don't go on the hills this week because the visibility is going to be really poor. And I'm like, wait, what? You mean I won't be able to see my car the whole time? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like I just like the, the stuff. And again, I'm like, I wonder, I'm like, do dudes say this to each other or <laughs> like, are, they just, are they just looking at a girl going, there's no way she knows how to navigate? <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is maybe one of the reasons that women feel inferior when it comes to these things. I don't know, but I would love to see more women on their own out in the hills. Definitely. And that's, to be fair, that's one of the things that I do try to do as well as I do like little sort of learning days just for women so that they don't feel like they've got a guy there judging them at the time. And, you know, just teach them like the basics of like navigation and the tools that you can use and all about your kit and stuff like that because I would I, I just think it's just you know certainly something that women are more than capable of and um and and would be so good for so many you know absolutely yeah what is it do you think then that is preventing so many women going out by themselves then? well I think to be honest with you I think there's a few things and I am I am guilty I wouldn't say guilty. I, I think I, they crossed my mind as a woman. Also, I, I actually had one of my one of my friends because a lot of my friends are are males just because of the kind of things that I like doing. It's more saturated with males. Yeah. And one of my friends said to me, "Do you do you ever bothies?" Because I was just thinking about this the other day, and he's like, "As a woman on your own, like, wouldn't that be kind of nerve wracking?" Hmm. Um, and the answer is yes. Like, if they're well, you know, like if you're there on your own, no um but also yes because if there's like a group of like four really big guys you know getting drunk or something in the bothy there is going to be something in the back of your mind that's like do I just keep going do I turn around do I go back or do I stay but my answer to that is those kinds of situations happen very rarely I've traveled all over the world on my own I've been all over you know the hills on my own and I have not ever had any kind of experience where I thought I was in real danger um not not from another human like (laughs) like, um and I I am really stubborn and I I think I just kind of I have this attitude that first of all what will be will be and you know if we live our lives in fear like I said we don't make good choices and um, and I think that that's a really toxic sort of place to, to sort of be coming from. And also people are inherently good. I think people are inherently good and we all have intuition. You know, mm. there have been situations where I've done things differently because I've thought I'm not comfortable with this for whatever reason. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Um, and that's, I kind of let that guide me. That's, that's like sort of my internal compass is, you know, if I feel like something's wrong, if I get into a bothy and there's a whole group of guys in there and I feel like I'm not safe in this environment for whatever reason, then yeah, I probably would just keep going or go set up a tent somewhere else or, you know, remove myself from that situation. But as, as it's been, I have relied on the kindness of strangers multiple times. And a lot of those strangers have been men and they've Mm -hmm. been more than helpful. And, you know, I don't think that in the same way that, you know, we get, we get ourselves all worked up, like, oh, every man that likes children is a pedophile. I'm like, or he just likes kids, 
you know, like we, we, we sort of like, you know, you know, people do this thing all the time where it's just like, ah, you know, and they freak themselves out. And it's just like, you know how much you're missing out on just by letting those preconceived notions like guide you. Um, But then, you know, at the same time, there is a part of me that's very happy that I have a wolf on my side, you know, just just as a plan B, like, you know, I'm, but yeah, no, even when I started my business, a lot of my girlfriends were going, you're going to take men up into the mountains on your own. Like, are you insane? And I've been doing it still here, you know, not to say that bad things don't happen. They do. Hmm. I know they do, but I could get struck by lightning. I could fall off a cliff. I could choke on a bit of popcorn. Like there are a million, I mean, this is the other thing I do say to people all the time. I was like, when you're exposed to death all of the time, it becomes less scary and actually reminds us like if we're alive there's a hundred percent chance you're gonna die it's just a, a, it's just a chance of what it's a, there's yeah. no question as to whether or not you're gonna die we haven't figured out how to live forever yet yeah. so you're definitely gonna die my and it's a bit morbid and i understand that but my thinking is like i would i don't what i'm afraid of is not living what I'm afraid of is letting that fear of death, which is inevitable. It will happen. It's just yep. a question of when and how it will happen. So I'm not going to live my whole life trying to avoid that. I'm not trying to invite it, but mm-hmm. I'm also not going to go and sort of like hunker down in my house in fear forever, just because there's a small percentage, you know, of people that have, you know, maybe had, been unlucky in terms of who they've met on their path or things like that and so I think I kind of have like a healthy damned mentality like well (laughs) I shouldn't just because I'm a woman I should be able to enjoy staying in bothies or traveling on my own or um going swimming in rivers and my Mm -hmm. bikini India or do you know what I mean like I'm like I'm gonna do I'm, I'm gonna do me and I'm gonna trust you know that the universe has my back and it'll yeah. be okay you know yeah. kind of how i deal with it what's what's your advice then for say playing devil's advocate for somebody who hasn't grown up with a childhood in alaska and traveled <laughs> and everything like pretty much what we're not everywhere i'm sure <laughs> we're everywhere <laughs> um, what what's your advice then for somebody for for a woman who might want to get outside by herself but is still slightly cautious about it isn't sure where to start yeah. what what would you say i would say the way that i deal with that is the same way that i deal with any i love learning like i love learning and i like things and i like trying new things but I'm very conscious of the fact that we, when we try new things, and when we learn new things, we are not going to start out as an expert. So yep. what we need to do is we need to start out in our comfort zone and, but push it a little bit further every time. Yeah. So people, and it's the same, I think, you know, cause I, I'm, I'm big into exercise. I think it's really important to exercise, you know, uh, for my, for my mind and my, my body, but mostly for, you know, mental health and, you, you know, if you're, if you've been sedentary most of your life, you're not just going to run a marathon like in a week. That's not going to happen. That's not realistic. And it's not fair to put those kinds of expectations on yourself. Mm-hmm. What you should do is maybe run for five minutes and walk for five minutes and run for five minutes and walk for five minutes and do that for 20 minutes 
And then the next day, maybe do that for 22 minutes. And then the day after that, do that for 25 minutes until you can run the whole time for 20 yeah. minutes or 25 minutes. And then you gradually build yourself up. So one of the things I say, you know, for people that are just starting out, it's like, well, so the first thing you need to know how to do is to navigate and you need to feel comfortable walking on uneven terrain and things like that. So is there a small local place that you can go to practice that? Yeah. And then can mm-hmm. you start challenging yourself, but within your comfort zone, can you start challenging yourself to go a little bit further every time? Or can you challenge yourself then to go up a small hill, you know, that you don't know and have like some GPS as a backup or whatever, just to make sure that you're on route and eventually and gradually start building that. And as you do that, you build your confidence as well. And you start to understand and learn, you know, how to navigate, not just the, not just the route itself, but the issue, you know, the things that the, the treks will throw at you, you know, it might be like a river in spate or, you know, things like that, that you will encounter and how to, you know, and, and build up your fitness at the same time. Because the other thing that people do is they're like, right, okay, I'm going to get fit. And they just go and destroy themselves like in one session mm-hmm. and then they never do it again. And understandably, because like I said, I did those seven minutes and like, I'm in reasonably good shape, but like, I've not been able to move for the last few days. And I'm like, if I was somebody who'd like never exercise, be like, nope, that is not for me. <laughs> you know, is a, that is a lot of pain. You know, I'm sliding down the stairs on my butt. And there's me thinking like, I'm in really good shape. You know, I can't even move my legs. And I was just like, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who's not used to that, you just wouldn't keep doing it. Whereas mm. if you do it in small increments, you give yourself something to build up to, you know, you give yourself a little challenge as opposed to the big challenge. It's, I saw something the other day and I think I would liken it to that where it was like the importance of small steps and you see somebody looking at a ladder and there's one ladder that has the small steps and there's another ladder where they have to like actually climb to get to the other sort of like, um, you know, step on the ladder. And it's just like that visual just makes total sense. It's exactly what it is. You know, we just need to do things little by little. It's like somebody said to me, how did you do 20 miles in seven rows? And I said, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. (laughs) It's like like the only way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you get to a certain point where you you have no choice but to carry on. Yeah. It was, yeah. You, yeah. I was, I was, definitely there and I was like I've committed now this is an ordeal (laughs) (laughs) how many Munros have you done now and how many have you got left so that's me at 81 wow which means I've got 201 left yep yeah so um, pretty good when did you start it seems like you're doing them every day (laughs) I am I started right after I moved here but to be fair the first um just before the pandemic I've been working full-time as a digital marketing manager so this was like um before I started to go off on my own and and do the the mountain guiding stuff so um obviously with the nine-to-five job and the little one that put me right back but then as soon as I was able to start working for myself <laughs> I was like smashing them yeah. but to be fair like so a lot of the hikes that I do aren't Monroe's as well because I think there's something and no judgment there are a lot of people in Scotland that get really like tunnel vision on like I just have to do the Monroe's and mm. the Monroe's are amazing um on so many levels like it's a it's a great sort of we challenge that you can give yourself but I think that then they miss out some of the really great hikes and walks and stuff as well because they get so like blinkered like no if I'm going to do it it has to be a Monroe and I'm like but that Corbett is really great like Mm. that's a really really great hike or that little how that little mountain there has some of the best views you know for miles and you know I think um so for because like 
I don't know. In Alaska, we don't have these things where you take off hills. Like you just, the hills are there. If you want to go, you go. Like, yeah. and it's, it's, and, the, and so you're choosing root space more on what it is that you're interested in doing, you know? Um, and the Monroe thing, while I love it and it's great, I'd also make a lot of time to check out like other smaller hills or different routes or even, you know, maybe not necessarily a hill walk, but a flat walk or a forest walk and thing like that. Mm. So definitely always outside, but I'm not always doing the Monroes. Yeah. And even some of the some of the beaches that you go to look oh incredible. My god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Like you wouldn't yeah. imagine that, that was up in Scotland really. But I know. Well, you know, people always comment on that as well. They're like that that is Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some great, great, uh, you've got everything here. And that's one of the things I love about it. It is, if you want forest, you can go to the forest. If you want beach, you can go to the beach. If you want mountains, you can go to the mountains. Mm-hmm. It's, it's absolutely like paradise. If, if you like spending time outside. Yeah. We've probably, you've probably touched on it already, but why, do you think it's so important that more people get outside then and engage with the world? I, because I think it's who we are. Mm-hmm. I think it's who we're supposed to be. I mean, I was listening to, I don't know if you listened to um, the Joe Rogan podcast, but he had Alex Honnold on recently, the uh, free solo climber. And he did, um, he made a really good point about how it's like, it's almost really trendy right now to, sort of like to be barefoot but how people that live in places where they have to be barefoot and they don't have a choice would love to mm. have shoes and it's almost kind of insulting that we're going like oh um so I don't I don't really want to go that far that way because obviously I enjoy a lot of modern comforts as I'm sure you do and many other people do mm-hmm. um but I I as I've said I think that the experience of spending time outside and getting that perspective on you know, the vastness of the the world and the universe that we're in and the insignificance of our own lives and our own selves and our own egos. And, um, and the more that people get that perspective and the more that people get that, um, that shift in their mindset away from the trivial sort of day-to-day life stuff and remember that we're all part of like this massive thing that we don't understand but we're in it together and um and it's beautiful and it's messy and it's scary and it's exciting and the more that we start to embrace and flow with that the more um, as i said i think the more love we're going to have for each other the more ready we are going to be to work with each other and work together and um and accept each other and our differences. And also, I think it's really important. I would love for everybody to be happy with who they are because we are all flawed. Like, let's be honest, none of us are perfect. None of us are, you know, people can live in glass houses all they want, but the more you realize how imperfect you are, the more accepting you are of everybody else's imperfections as well. But there is something about being outside that really reminds you of that, you know, of, of, I even have it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you do, but like, I have moments where I get arrogant and I start thinking like, I can totally do this. Like, this is easy, blah, 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 blah. And then mother nature just goes, oh, really? Like, yep. <laughs> and then you're going, okay, I'll be cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, right, right, right. Um, and I think, 
I, I don't know how to explain it other than I think that just that humility that you get from connecting and also the humility that you get from realizing when you look up at the stars and you're sitting by a campfire and you look up at the stars and you see a shooting star and you realize that that star died like hundreds of years ago and you're only just seeing it now and mm. your mind goes and you just go I just nothing matters like we I don't matter you don't matter like we matter in such an amazing insignificant way like yeah you know, and I think that the more that we can get ourselves into situations where we start thinking like that and we start questioning things and we are always, I think as well, if you're outside, you're always learning. Mm-hmm. We are in trouble as individuals and as a species when we think that we know everything. Yeah. yeah? And being in environments where you're constantly learning keeps you in that mind of a beginner, you know, that like remember that humility of like being open to things being uh, you know receptive to new information and I think you know there's nothing more dangerous than an expert yeah yeah and, or somebody who thinks they're an expert oh wow well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so what what is it then that not just so we, we've touched on just women going by themselves but in general for everybody yeah. What do you think are the barriers stopping people engaging with the natural world? Do you think it's down to social media being so, like, you can not even just social media, but having like the internet and everything in your pocket now, so you can look at wherever in the world you want while you're sat in the toilet? Is it down to education? Is it confidence? What do you think it is? That's a really interesting question what keeps people from going outside to be honest again it's a running theme but I think fear yeah it's fear people are very as we said it's a comfort zone comfortable in your car you can control the heat you don't get wet Mm -hmm. starts raining you can go inside your house you can control the heat you can have a bath you can have a shower and these things are amazing and you appreciate them a lot when you haven't had them for a few days um And I think there's a fear of the unknown. You know, a long time ago, we were outside. That was home. And I don't think that our, I don't think that our biological evolution has caught up with our lifestyle, Mm -hmm. which is, um, I think, one of the reasons there is such an, you know, that the mental health issues are are so rampant. um, Because I don't think that, I, I actually don't think our bodies are able to cope with like always being comfortable always being like in a routine, always like having the same pro, you know, never having any new issues thrown at us, you know, it's like, um, as an example, when I had my eldest daughter, I suffered from really, really severe post postnatal depression. Like it was like a, you know, I think it was like a hormonal thing, but also just my midwife said to me, and this has stuck with me for years and years and years, I said, I keep imagining these scenarios where I hurt my baby and I don't know why I'm thinking like that. And mm. she goes, well, a long time ago, a tiger might come and try to get your baby. So you'd be imagining what you would do in that scenario so that you were mentally prepared for that. And she said, but right now, no tiger is going to come and get your baby. You are yeah. working with what is in your immediate environment, which is you. Yeah. And so you, she said, the fact that it scares you that you're having these thoughts is is a solid indicator that you're not. And obviously, she's still here. So, like, <laughs> you know, I was having some severe anxiety linked to this. But 
she said, essentially what's going on is that your, your brain is still very much this outdoorsy caveman survivalist sort of brain, but instead mm -hmm. of, and I think maybe that that can feed into a lot of other things as well in terms of anxiety and depression and stuff like that. We're constantly, we're constantly needing to scare ourselves with something because we are wired to prepare ourselves for a bear coming at us or, you know, um, falling off of a cliff, you know, unexpectedly, or these things that would happen if we were outside, but we're, we're not exposing ourselves to those things anymore. So mm. we're turning it inward. And I think that one of the reasons that people don't go outside is because it is scary. There's, there are some threats out there. It's like, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not sort of the, do you have your 10 essentials to go on a forest walk kind of a person, but yeah. you know, also I'm like, don't underestimate you know, that what could happen if you're stuck up a hill and the weather turns or something and you're on a ridge or whatever, you know, like it, it's to be respected. And I think one of the things that stops people from going out is fear. It really is. I think it's, it's just fear. It's like, they want to stay in their comfort zone, but it's also not good for your mental health to be in your comfort zone. Like yeah. I said, I think that we're all, we all need to be challenged and scared sometimes. And we need to be, I mean, it's like the whole Wim Hof thing as well. I think he's totally right. People need to be cold sometimes. We need to be wet sometimes. We need to be, we need that contrast, you know, for our own mental well-being. To humble us as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's, you know, it's, again, Chinook can sleep out in the rain all night long, quite happily. She doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, she just accepts that this is what it is. It's like, I think she's happier there than she is in the house when she's like, this is very warm. <laughs> <laughs> a little yeah. bit too hot so i think again we've forgotten as we've talked about we've forgotten that we are actually animals and that we are prey animals with you know yeah. without tools without you know our brains we are prey animals and we've mm -hmm. we've come to the top of the food chain but we are still very much if we were you know if you were out in a loincloth and there was just a bear and you had nothing on you <laughs> yeah, if you didn't have luck. a gun you're a prey animal at that point yeah, <laughs> yeah. and we yeah. kind of forget that and i think that we like to stay safe in our little bubbles and in our little houses and things like that and then we get confused about why we can't be happy or find contentment mm -hmm. um so i think it's a it's a bit of a paradox i don't in terms of getting people outside i'm not really sure what the answer is to that other than what i've noticed in myself and this is where I think social media is real double-edged sword. Cause it's like you said, people do like to take their phones to the toilet. They look at things or whatever, but I have actually noticed that if you are out being authentic, living your best life, doing what you love, people do feed on that energy and they do get inspired by that. And then yeah. they do. Um, I've like, again, I said, I've had people message me going, I was suicidal. And then I went for a walk and I feel amazing now, or I've had women go because I've, you know, like, I just love what you do so much. I decided to go for a walk today and they send me like their little, you know, screenshot of their Strava walk or something mm. like that. And that makes me so happy. And that's one of the reasons that I will keep sharing the story. I know that there's an abundance of people on social media that like, take a chairlift up to the top of the hill and they wear like a matching yoga suit and get a selfie with their bum out and you know all fair play to them they're making money doing you know travel and stuff like that that's not that's really not what I'm about I know some people think that you know maybe that is but it really isn't it's it's really about like sharing that message of like hope 
and inspiration and try to find some joy in a world that's crazy and do what you love and you know like f the rest that's mm-hmm. just you know, just concentrate on what makes you happy and other people and it's a weird one too because it's like I've never been the kind of person that feels the need to shove my opinions or thoughts or anything if somebody asks me I'll tell them but like for example I'm a vegan but I don't get offended if somebody eats me and I don't get upset if like do you know what I mean like it doesn't it's it's really a personal choice and it's like it usually would only come up if somebody wanted to make me dinner or something like that um And, but weirdly, just by being around me, a lot of my close friends or colleagues and stuff have suddenly started adopting that lifestyle. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, what have you got for lunch? That looks really nice, actually. Oh, well, like, what about this? What about that? And it's, it's almost like I said, it's that interconnectedness. The more of us that share these sides of ourselves and these parts of ourselves, and the more authentic you are. And I think that's so important for your own well-being as much as it is for anybody around you is just being true to yourself and as long as you're doing that like I think you're okay and I think one of the ways to get people outside is to do what you're doing you know talk about it show people that there's a whole world out there show them what they could be doing what they could be seeing what you know what they could be a part of if they would take that chance you know or or like what I do you know give them a chance to like come with me in a safe setting so that they've got like you know, a shoulder to lean on while they get their feet, you know, um, give people a chance to kind of test the water without going in at the deep end. And I think the more opportunities that we do create for people like that, the more we can show them what's out there. I think the more people will be interested in that. And also, again, there's the classic of start with the young ones. Do you know what I mean? Like I've got yeah. one like on the waiting list for brownies and things like well, that. You know, mm. like, I think definitely there should be more scope in schools and things like that for a lot more time outside and a lot more time learning how to do things outside yeah Uh, certainly in the zombie apocalypse world (laughs) we may or may not be heading towards um but you know i think yeah definitely with young people build the confidence when they're small you know um and for the you know for the older ones of us then just keep exposing people to it you know it's like I said, people sometimes see what I see on top of a mountain and they go, well, shit, I want to, uh, now I want to go climb a mountain. Like I want to mm-hmm. see that for myself, you know, whereas if you're just telling them about it or whatever, it's not really the same, you know, they're just like, yeah. why would you just walk uphill? That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the stories that we tell afterwards are the bad ones as well. So well, we, we do talk about when are... we get wet and cold and yeah. miserable, but actually I... at the same time, we <laughs> we just love it <laughs> i love i that those stories are the absolute best though because yeah. it's just like it's so much funnier so it's like it's funny that you say that because so when i was doing the the glen shield ridge this weekend i had this like i had this really optimistic plan that i was gonna mountain bike because it's a ridge walk so mm-hmm. i was like well i'll do the i'll do the whole trek i'll leave my mountain bike at the end and then i'll just bike back um when i've finished and I'm like three Monroe's in and I'm phoning a friend like, so <laughs> <laughs> do you want to come and get me? And she's like, and I was still in pretty good spirits, but I was flagging. Like I knew I was flagging and I was like, I really, and I knew that it was like going to be an uphill cycle the whole way back. And I was, I was just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Um, so I phoned my friend and I'm sort of like asking her and I'm arranging for her to come and get me. She's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, and then I get about six Monroe's in and I'm like, I phone her again. And I'm like, so I'm running late. And, 
at this point I told her I was like I'm not even confident I exist anymore like, I'm this awful. I was like I don't know I was like I keep looking at like whether or not there's an escape route there is no escape route like you know I was like oh my god and she goes you're not really selling hill walking me <laughs> like, at this point I'm not confident I ever want to go you know it's, it is what you said is like we do make all these jokes about how awful it is but then because she had picked me up there were some other people that were walking that hill that day as well and they got back much later than me you know like because we'd been kind of like sort of relaying all the way along the hill there was like other people out hiking and there was one guy this um this guy he's Glaswegian but he's working in Inverness at the moment and he got back and he just looked like he'd been through the wars like uh and yeah, like my friend, she was just sitting there and she was just like, <laughs> this does not look fun. And I was like, to be fair though, that is, that one is an epic undertaking. Like, you know, there's a big difference between just sort of like one Monroe, which is not like, you know, you should still be fit and stuff. But like, I think anybody can do a pretty straightforward Monroe if you, right. you know, if you're not disabled, but like, but that was, that was an undertaking of like, you know, intense proportions, but obviously mm. we are such, I think you're totally right in that I think a lot of us are just total masochists and it's almost like we just love the the battle that we've been through to do what we've done. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm exactly the same. I'm like, if I get a scar or like a wound, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm absolutely delighted. <laughs> so yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's God. it's it's almost it's a medal really isn't it yeah it is. it's like, it's like a <laughs> badge of honor it. i'm yeah. like oh and you know what was it so because somebody there was somebody who messaged me because i posted about doing this ridge walk and they go <laughs> they go so like how does somebody train for something like that did you you know like what kinds of things do you eat like how much do you sleep do you work out <laughs> and I, I just went back to this guy and go Full disclosure, I had a raging hangover that day. <laughs> I not only had five hours of sleep because I accidentally drank too much and like phoned my family before I did it. And I was like, and on top of it, because I was that drunk, I burnt my ankle right where the boot rubs, like um, getting some chips out of the oven the night before. So if you don't do that, you'll be fine. <laughs> just get a little bit more sleep and don't drink <laughs> and don't burn yourself and you're ready to go <laughs> how else would you know that though that's it you, well, there's, this there's is only it. one way to you know, know that <laughs> no it was it was definitely like um, wow. yeah it was one of those ones that will definitely be remembered for the rest of my life <laughs> yeah and that's what all this is about isn't it it's it's about making those those memories and yeah. having those experiences you, you were saying earlier on actually which is quite interesting um about starting with the the younger generation yes and you mentioned earlier on that obviously homeschooling has been a bit of a mission but the only way you are able to do it is by getting Juno outside and kind of teaching her about nature in nature is that kind of stuff that she had already done within school had she learned more from that experience than she had done in school or was there a big gap there missing from school education and actually outdoor education to get more people interested in it so does that in make my, sense? yeah it does absolutely and in my experience with with juno in particular um is that there is actually a lot of room for improvement in terms of outdoor education and in the um in the school system she's got and don't get me wrong she's got amazing teachers she absolutely loves her school 
uh, you know, it's a great school. I think it's just the traditional classroom sort of, I that my this is my personal opinion and it might upset some people, but this is how I feel. I feel like we're taught to be employees and not humans. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it makes sense in terms of like, you know, long time ago it was all about like the economy the economy the economy and it's like actually can we just create like if we create mentally well-rounded people human beings like the world will be better for all of us like everybody will be happier and I think one of the ways to do that and that doesn't just go in terms of like the outdoors education that goes for practical things like hey can you teach guys how to clean a toilet like that would be really helpful like Mm. do you know what I mean just like (laughs) you know I'm not bitter (laughs) no but do you know what I mean I'm like there's a lot of things like can you teach me how to use a drill like you know things that you will need to know how to do in life like Mm. can we concentrate on teaching people how to do those things and how to be confident doing those things and and I think that would also help the things like as we talked about the the, you know the gender divide in terms of like women going well I can't use a drill that's like a man's thing or men going well I can't clean a toilet that's a woman's thing you know it's Mm. like all just like basic life skills like you know and it, it of course we need to know math of course we need to know how to read and write art amazing everybody should do art everybody should do music everybody should do literature you know all of these things are very important but so is knowing how to navigate so is knowing what you can eat and what you can't if you're outside so is like you know knowing how to iron a shirt if you need to iron a shirt you know like these things Mm. are all you know parts of our day-to-day lives and things that I think should and could be taught in schools more often as well as emotional intelligence too, you know, it was, I remember when my older daughter, Yana, um, I quite liked it is that they had a whole, in her primary school, I used to go and help out and they had a whole thing about, you know, understanding emotions and, you know, trying to understand other people's emotions. Hmm. If you can read other people's emotions and how would this person, you know, they would give these like role play activities of like a scenario. Well, how do you think that person feels? How do you think this person feels? And, and emotional intelligence is so important, you know? And so it's things like that, that I think that there could be more of, I'm not saying we need to get rid of what's being taught. I'm saying we need to shift maybe the focus from the employee aspect of it. I'm like, cause if you've got a well-rounded person who loves what they're doing, you're going to have a good employee anyway. Yeah. So it's good for the economy. Um, but you know, it'd just be great. I'm sure even like mountain rescue would probably appreciate more people knowing how to navigate and how to oh, yeah. dress for the environment that they're going into and things like that. Um, and Juno, because of who I am, when, we were down in Brighton. She actually went to a forest school. So the first sort of between t- two and five, she was at a school whose like prime ethos was like letting children take risk and be outside and be, you know, and not have like people helicoptering over them all the time. Mm-hmm. She's always had a lot of free reign. And I tell you what, that little girl is for all in- intents and purposes, she is a very confident, very well spoken very adventurous very thoughtful do you know what I mean yeah quite a resourceful creative you know she's always making things you know um, and I I think it has I think there's a direct correlation you know I don't think it's because like my genes are amazing I think it's because she's been allowed to explore (laughs) she's been allowed to take risks she's been allowed to problem solve and you know, and adapt to situations without interference, which has in turn 
built her ability to solve problems and to feel confident and to be curious as well, like incredibly curious. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think, one of the reasons maybe she doesn't respond so well to like the the laptop learning. Do you know what I mean? Like sit here and do yeah. addition for an hour on this computer screen. It just, it, it wasn't very compatible with, you know, like who she is as a person and, mm. and how she functions as a human. And um, that's, that's, I guess, what I would say about the whole, the, the young person thing. I think all of us, again, I don't think any of us are different. We're all explorers. We're all curious. We are all outdoorsy. We just don't know it yet. Yeah. You know, <laughs> some of us just don't know it yet, but yeah. we all need it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Especially. So, as as a parent then yourself, if Juno at eight turns around and says, I want to do what you've done and just go off and explore and just do what I want pretty much. Not what, that, that comes across pretty, but does that come across bad? <laughs> I don't know, but like more, just like, just yeah. follow, follow your heart or follow your head, whatever. Yeah. Would you encourage that? Or would you say, actually, you need to do this first you need to like is there I would I'll tell you what I would just let her do it but I'd watch her <laughs> be there in case you know when when like things went pear-shaped but um I my parents were very I think my parenting style is probably very similar to how my parents raised me and they used to joke I <laughs> she knows a lot like this too but they used to joke that they could find like because I was outside all all day by myself like I, I can't ever remember like having my parents kind of like hovering around like I, I pretty much had free reign wherever we were going and wherever we were and my dad used to joke that that he could find me by the trail of clothes because I just had this thing when I was little where I was just like uh, clothes are very cumbersome <laughs> yeah. I was just like, so I was like out in my pants like Mowgli you know yeah. <laughs> just like running around like oh you know and the amount of times that I hurt myself do you know what I mean like falling off of things hurting you know and like one of my nan's favorite stories of me before she passed bless her was like you know she had that bed breakfast out news pass that I was telling you about and she mm-hmm. uh she she loved telling the story she goes I just remember one time you were down at the beach because she, her her property was right on a glacier lake and wow. the, the lake was about uh yeah it was beautiful and it's still part of the family actually so like uh it's amazing bit of land but so the lake's about a mile from the the main cabin where she stayed and she's uh one of her favorite stories is me turning up at the main cabin like absolutely filthy like you know twigs and leaves and stuff in my hair like half clothes soaking wet like covered in ash from like what has clearly been a fire that I've started somehow (laughs) like I'm about five and she said I just had this really wild look in my eye (laughs) and she she saw me come in like that and thought maybe something had happened to one of my brothers or sisters you know like because I just had this really sort of and I, I I don't I don't even remember this but she just said she said she, she remembers going, is everything all right? And I just said, yeah, I just need a knife and a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, at this point, she goes, I think I better come and see what you're doing. <laughs> it's just that she got down there and apparently had built like an entire fort and I'd like kind of started a fire, but it wasn't going. And I think I needed the knife and the lighter to like get kindling and get like a fire going in the fort. And that's, you know, I was apparently I was on a mission. So that was the, the wild look in my eye. But um I think Juno is very, very similar in that way. Like, I, I think she just, she's, she just learns about things. She's a kinetic learner, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of us are, we learn yeah. by doing. And um, 
So you can understand, you know, like somebody can explain the rules of monopoly to me and I'll sit there and go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I have no exactly. idea what to do. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, <laughs> cool. Okay. And they'll play it for like two minutes and I'll just watch them playing it. And I'm like, right. Okay. Yeah. Now I've got it. Yeah. It makes sense. So I think she is like me she's one of those ones that just you know she just has to sort of like get her her hands dirty and she just gets stuck in so yeah. if she wa- if she wanted to yeah if she if she decided like she was going to go off and do something and uh, like live on her own for a while in the forest I'd, I'd let her think she was on her own <laughs> <laughs> for a while and see yeah. how she got on and, and just be there in case but I think that's kind of your job as a parent anyway it's not to not to overpower them but to just kind of let them figure it out and make their mistakes and hang back and watch and mm. be there to pick up the pieces when they need you to and step back when they don't. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that there needs to be, I, did, I think there needs to be more of that at the moment because yeah, like, like you when when I was little, I would be out all day pretty much in my pants, rolling around in the mud in the woodlands, yeah. like making fires and breaking myself. And yeah. like, I'm covered As in any good, child should be <laughs> exactly right yeah and i'm like covered in scars i've got scars on my face and my hands yeah. all over myself just from like these little adventures i had when i was little growing up and that's kind yeah. of and it does it it is character building as well and yeah. you do you learn so much and you see so much but i think these days this is the unpopular opinion but but these days that parents i feel don't allow their kids to have that experience it's as so, much I'm, I'm totally with you on that i think there's a culture of like almost you would wrap your kid in bubble wrap if you could and um and my argument with that is like if humans were so bad at surviving like mm-hmm. wouldn't be like overtaking the world yeah like you know we yes we are accident prone but we need to have those accidents like if your kid burns themselves they won't do it twice yeah yeah so as long as my my opinion is as long as she's not doing something that's life-threatening i don't interfere yeah i let i'll let her learn that lesson and Mm. i will step back and i will let her learn that lesson and that maybe seems a bit harsh but i actually think that's going to be a very important lesson and she won't soon do it again yeah. Um, if it's something obviously that it, that would end her life like that's that's when I'll step in and be like whoa yeah. no we're yeah. not doing it. but yeah. otherwise it's sort of a, a let her live and make those mistakes and mistakes are what make us you know that yeah, that's exactly. that's where we learn it's like you don't forget when you mess something up that's, that's a lot where like where the confidence comes from as well well and, and the humility you know, yeah. and the humanity, it's like, we've got as well, and I know this is maybe not a popular opinion, but I have many that are not popular, <laughs> but the, the consolation prize mentality as well. It's like, oh, you've participated. And I'm like, that's not how life works. No. You know, like that really isn't how life works. Like, you know, don't be horrible to each other and don't, you know, don't, I don't know what the word is. Don't, don't be too hard on yourself. You're human, you know, but also you know, you don't get consolation. There's no consolation prizes in life. Like you hmm. do the thing or you don't do the thing. And if you don't do the thing, you learn the lesson. So the next time you can do the thing. And, yeah. 
and I think that children really need to, to learn that you know it's even when I was working in marketing and I'd have young apprentices and interns and stuff coming in and they'd be asking for a raise and I you know I'd be sort of saying well, why do you think you deserve a raise well because I turn up on time every day hmm. yeah that's just that's, that's why you pay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm like have you increased like revenue have you done anything that like warrants that hmm. no I'm just here no <laughs> well done yeah. on being here and you know getting paid to be here mm. <laughs> you know and I think um so I think there's a real like people are almost afraid to criticize or to constructively criticize their children and each other and we we need that we need to do that to ourselves we need we need to be honest with each other in a again, in a very authentic way, not in a horrible way, but like, you know, I've, I've noticed this thing about myself, so I need to work on it, you know, like, as opposed to like, well, no, 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 that's because everybody else is doing things. And that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's, I think we need to shine the light on ourselves and help each other grow and develop. Like I said, none of us are perfect. And I think that that goes into the, the, the same thing you know, that we were talking about, about the whole being outside and building confidence and stuff. Part of that is humility and understanding that you're not perfect and that you're flawed yeah, <laughs> and that you have, you have a lot to learn. And as we've said, the mistakes are the biggest teachers. We need to make mistakes. You need to let people make mistakes mm -hmm. um, because that's where they do their, their most learning. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I've it kind of ties in as well. One thing that I've been trying to answer, why do you do it? And why, why do you go outside? Why do you do, have these experiences? There, I know from talking to other people that there is this feeling that you get from doing it, but none of us can put, put, put a, like a name on it. None of us can actually say what it is. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly <laughs> like, what you're is... talking about. It's like there's some sort of, it's almost like there's a magnet in your heart that just pulls you to it and that you can't really, really explain why, but it's almost like, you know, that cliche of your true north. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's something in you that just says you need to do this. Like, it's just, you, you know, this is, this is an experience that you need to have, or this is something that you need to see, or this is where you need to be um, center or to ground yourself. And I think that goes into the realm of, you know, without wanting to go all like juju alternative new agey kind of like stuff. I think there's definitely a lot that we don't understand as humans and as, as a species. And like I said, we like to think that we're experts, but you know, it's like, we haven't even scratched the surface of what we're capable of, what we mm -hmm. are, why we do what we do, you know, why do we believe in money? Why do we, you know, why do, why do we do half of the things that we do? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Why, why do we love each other? Why do we fall in love? Why do we want to be parents? You know, why do we want to, uh, why do we want to connect with you? There's a myriad of like, why do we feel like kissing people? That's a weird one for me. I'm like, what, mm -hmm. what made that happen? You know, <laughs> it's almost the same kind of feeling. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, you just have this urge to do something and yeah, you can't, you can't put your finger on it. And, you, mm. it, and and that's what makes it so beautiful and so profound is that it's just, it's in you. And like I said, I actually, all of us, I don't think, I don't think I'm different. I don't think you're different. I, you know, I think it is something that all it's in all of us. It's just, some of us don't know it yet. We haven't 
sort of experienced it or given ourselves that chance yet. But mm. yeah, um, know that the most beautiful things in the world escape words. But I was thinking this the other day because I've got my dog. She'll never know my name. I, I have this amazing bond with this animal that I can... I can't have a conversation with like I am you, but mm. I tell you, she knows exactly what I'm thinking most of the time. And I know exactly what she's thinking most of the time yeah. and she never know my name and words. We put a lot of stock into words. Words are very, very small part. If you know, like of communication in terms of like who we are and how we, yeah, how we function. Yeah. I think like, just even like I said with Chinook, it's just it's just kind of like smacks you in the face. It's like we think that words are so important. They're not. It's just no. there's a there's a feeling there and there's an intuition and there's something that tells us to do it, so we do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and actually going, yeah, I haven't even thought about that to be honest. But that that kind of links in with I I almost feel like it is kind of still that the caveman part of us that still lives in our head where again with the communication thing like they weren't talking in the way that we talk and they still had these if if they didn't have these interactions and relations like we wouldn't be here anyway like we wouldn't have developed yeah. and, and like evolved into what we are now and yeah there is this connection that we have not just with our own species but with the rest of the natural world as well and it is through I don't know. It's just another connection, isn't it? Even well, if it's, it's just body language or like whatever, like we, we are, like you said, we're able to communicate with our own dogs and other animals yeah. and stuff. Like my cat is, well, you. Oh no. Like I love but, cats are but, amazing. Yeah. Like, no, all animals are amazing to be honest, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's, um, you know, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I don't think that our biology has caught up with technology. No. I think that we, we've advanced so quickly, but like, you know, our, our biological makeup is not quite there yet, you know? Uh, so yes, you and I can have these conversations and I'm grateful that we can, because I think it's really interesting to be able to you know, to put our feelings into a way that you can understand what I'm feeling and I can understand what you're feeling with like a, a label, you know, through a word. Um, but at the same time, I can also look at my dog and know exactly what she's thinking and feeling without that label and without that word. And I think we have advanced so fast technologically, but there's still this very raw, like you said, almost caveman side of us mm. that hasn't accepted that and isn't, isn't there do you know what I mean? And yeah, we're almost like 10,000 years behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. we've got all these things going on that we can't emotionally or um, energetically cope with, I think, you know, and um, and I think that's why some of us are maybe pulled more to get out and get back to, I just want to sit by a campfire and tell stories with my, you know, with strangers. I just want to get to the top of that mountain and I don't really know why I want to do it, but I just want to do it. And yeah. I want to see what it, I want to see if I can do it. And, you know, um, or some of us in the other extreme as well is like, you know, I think the whole extreme sports things, it, you know, it's like, I need to put myself in danger, you know, like uh, to, to feel alive. I'll mm -hmm. tell you what, you know, you get those like Danny McGaskill probably doesn't get super depressed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, and again, I like go, I go back to the Alex Hall thing. He goes, I think he was saying he's like, normal life just seems really chilled. Cause like what I actually do is really life and death. So like, yeah. 
you know, day-to-day life is like really relaxing for me. Whereas like for people who don't get out and actually put themselves in, you know, in those riskier, and I'm not advocating like, you know, free solo climbing, if you don't know what you're doing and stuff like that, I'm just saying, you know, that when you actually are confronted with the reality of those things, then this sort of like, you know, this comfort zone that we live in, in terms of our cushy, comfortable, you know, indoor lives suddenly becomes like pretty, you know, it's it, nothing, you know, like Alex Honnold said, it's just really chill because like, yeah. you know, nothing's, you know, the chances of anything like really getting you on your sofa slim, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and then I think you appreciate it more. Like I've said to people multiple times too, I'm like, do you know what? I was like, the only, I was like, do you know when I love my bed the most is when I've not been in my bed for like a week. Like yeah. that's the best. And I was like, that, and I was like, you need that. I really do think we need that contrast because that mm. also then instills that, that gratitude that I think we would all benefit from, you know, this, uh, I can't believe I've got running water. This is absolutely amazing. I remember spending two months in India and coming back and just being like toilet paper. <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> oh my God. This is so amazing. You know, like, um, and it's just like, we should be thinking about things like that all the time. You know, like we're actually really, really, really lucky and we've made our lives really, really comfortable and, I think one of the only ways to really, really understand and appreciate that is to be uncomfortable sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. And thinking about what we said a minute ago about um, like the draw to the campfire and stuff. Um, it's interesting. I read somewhere ages ago that kind of stuck with me. I don't even know if it's true. I don't know if like, I don't know, but like the reason that we are, so happy to sit down and just sit in front of the tv for like six hours a day is because that caveman in our head used to do exactly the same thing but in front of like an amazing sunset or the view overlooking like just looking for food or whatever or being sat in their own little communities around the campfire yeah and i think that is kind of as soon as we start doing that actually get a campfire going and sitting around it with other people you do you you do feel something you do feel it and there is a connection there and i think it is that opportunity to then tap into what the human being is and actually what you're supposed to be doing i suppose instead of being sat in front of a tv yeah it does i also the thing that kind of like popped into my head is you know, we, we stare at a TV, like you said, um, but then I don't know about you and I don't know about anybody else, but I could, there's a couple of things I could watch for hours and just not get bored and a fire hundred mm-hmm. percent, like just staring at the flames. They're like fingerprints. They just, it's like the way that it changes and develops and grows and then turns into, you know, into sort of like coals and ashes and just watching that happen there's something just very very therapeutic and, and meditative almost isn't it yeah and I, I i and and water you know if you're on a beach or something like that just watching the waves coming in the sound of that mm-hmm. you know um again the stars i feel like i could look at those for hours if they're out i think we are designed to take in these things and to appreciate these things. I think the issue with something like TV is that it's designed for ADHD. It's like, you know, bang, 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 
mm -hmm. there's no it's not meditative it's it's very it's like an assault on the senses yeah. almost mm -hmm. and um and i think one of the problems that from my perspective i think one of the problems a lot of people have is that we're not we're never alone with our thoughts no. and we really really need to be we mm. really should be because that's where I, i've had this conversation with a lot of people they're like you know one of the great things about dogs is that you have to walk a dog and when you're walking the dog you have some of your best ideas and stuff like that i'm like well yeah exactly because we should be walking we should be yeah. walking we should be thinking we should be outside don't get me wrong I sometimes like to listen to a podcast on a walk, you know, like I sometimes like to, you know, I, I like to be engaged in a book, you know, these things are all great. And, and definitely all of this stuff in moderation, you know, I'm not, I'm not criticizing any of it. I'm just saying that there's a real, a, a real imbalance and we need to, I think we will, a lot of us will be happier and healthier physically and mentally and emotionally. If we readdress that balance and we realize that just like a dog, we need to be walked. We need to be outside. We need to sniff things. We need to you yeah. know, experience the joy de vivre of life and freedom and, you know, um, and the discomfort. Do you know what I mean? Because we, yeah. we're both laughing about it, but it's so true. Those stories of like getting absolutely soaked and having to sleep in like, you know, sodden sleeping bag overnight. And then the feeling of getting home and being in your bed after that, having a hot bath and the contrast of like cold water swimming versus like, you know, a hot shower and all. We need that. We, we do need that. All of us need that. Yeah. Just some of us are more willing to embrace that than others. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it is an escape from like the, the overstimulation of just everyday life, which as you, you said, like we, we haven't been able to keep up with the way that everything has kind of evolved around us or we've like forced things to develop further. And we need to step back from the overstimulation of everything that we have kind of created ourselves to keep ourselves entertained but we actually don't need it does that make sense yeah. and yeah it's i don't yeah i don't it is that it, it, yeah it's the feeling of feeling of tapping into what we're here for and actually what we're supposed to be doing the closest word that i can even possibly find is like connectedness almost like that feeling where you stop being an individual and you start be, being connected to something yeah. Yeah. and i think that we all we all need that you know the, the the feeling of being connected to something much much bigger than yourself um and i think for me personally that's probably more what it is it's that that grounding kind of right this is this is i'm part of this and my body's of the earth yeah. you know <laughs> um and that the way that that centers you i think uh, yeah, go outside so as i've just realized that we have now gone over two hours um, <laughs> <laughs> somehow um that's, yeah so that's probably me i'm a waffler no that's fine <laughs> that's that's yeah that's perfectly fine with me um so i suppose in a a final message then of like why should people get outside what's in it for you why do you do it why should they and if there is one thing that you would recommend people start with what is it 
and just yeah how how do we do it i would say start with your comfort zone find somewhere beautiful pick somewhere on a map that you know you can walk pick somewhere that you want to go go out there for the day and then like i said gradually build up maybe to bigger and more exciting things but anything that's new to you is going to be exciting so it doesn't have to be hard to be interesting you know pick something that's interesting to you it's like i say did you know if you're she says, oh, well, I'm just not good at that. And I'm like, well, if you're not interested in it, it's very unlikely that you're going to be good at it because you have to be motivated to, mm-hmm. to be good at something. And interest drives motivation. So pick things that you're interested in. Most in, it, Whether it's like caves, you know, if it's wildlife, go somewhere that has a lot of wildlife. If you like caves, go somewhere that has caves. If you like mountains, go somewhere that likes, you know, that has lots of mountains. If you like crazy weather, come to Scotland. Like... <laughs> just pick something that you're interested or if you like photography go somewhere that's really good to take photos of you know find find something like that that inspires you and and head out that way and i would say think of a ladder you know the steps need to be close together so keep challenging yourself little by little and then eventually one day you'll find that you're you know you're at the top of a mountain and you never thought that would happen yeah I could keep going and ask questions and talk to you for two more hours, but... (laughs) Nobody wants that. (laughs) (laughs) All of your listeners have already left. (laughs) 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 Thank you so much for for spending a couple of hours this evening with me and and just having a chat. Oh, thanks for asking me to chat. And I've like, I've totally enjoyed it. And actually you've given me a lot to think about. So we know what I'll be doing on the next hikes. (laughs) A little bit of soul searching thanks thinking about the meaning of life now yeah i'll uh once i figure it out i'll let you know (laughs) yeah thanks yeah (laughs) but yeah i'll I'll definitely be um coming up to you at some point hopefully this year i really really hope that you do and if you do i would be more than happy to take you up for some hikes and paddles and that'd be amazing and and roland if you're happy with that it'd be well fun for sure yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely keep in touch anyway. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You too. It's been great. Thank All you right. so much. All right. It's been nice talking to you, James. Take care. You too. See you later. Bye.